0: I am your host, Katherine Lopez-Luker. During this time of COVID, many people aren't able to use the library in the same way as in the past. To help bring more stories to more readers, many publishing companies are allowing books that are normally unavailable for copyright reasons to be read out loud and shared with others until December thirty-first, 2023. The stories that fall under that special permission will all be taken down on that date, so listen now while they're available. Today's story is shared with permission of Harper HarperCollins Children's Books. When I was a little girl, we had in our house a very old copy of Mrs. Piggle Wiggle's Magic by Betty MacDonald that had been my mother's when she was a little girl. We read that book over and over again until the cover was coming off and all the pages were loose, but the words stayed with us and became part of our family lore. For example, when we're eating dinner together and someone says, fleas, gasp, and mutter, we all know that that person is asking for the butter. Here is the thought you setters cure, along with the wonderful introductory chapter, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle's Magic. Now sit back, relax, and listen to this story come to life. Mrs. Piggle Wiggle's Magic by Betty MacDonald Chapter 1 Mrs. Piggle Wiggle's Magic Of course the reason that all the children in our town like Mrs. Piggle Wiggle is because Mrs. Piggle Wiggle likes them. Mrs. Piggle Wiggle likes children she enjoys talking to them, and best of all, they do not irritate her. When Molly O'Toole was looking at the colored pictures in Mrs. Piggle Wiggle's big dictionary and just happened to be eating a candy cane at the same time and drooled candy cane juice on the colored pictures of gems and then forgot and shut the book so that the pages all stuck together, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle didn't say, Such a careless little girl can never ever look at the colored pictures in my big dictionary again. Nor did she say, "'You must never look at books when you are eating.' She said, "'Let's see. I think we can steam those pages apart, and then we can wipe the stickiness off with a little soap and water like this. Now see, it's just as good as new. There's nothing as cozy as a piece of candy in a book. Don't look so embarrassed, Molly. I almost drool every time I look at those gems. Which one is your favorite?' I think mine is the lapis lazuli. When Dickie Williams, who was showing off for Patsy by riding in his wagon with his eyes shut, crashed through Mrs. Pigglewiggle's basement window and landed in the coal bin, Mrs. Pigglewiggle laughed so much she had to sit down on the front steps and wipe her eyes with her apron. Dickie was awfully scared and was going to sneak out the basement door and go home. But Mrs. Pigglewiggle, still laughing, leaned through the broken window and said, Hand me the putty knife and that can of putty off the top shelf, and then go get me that pane of glass leaning against the wall over there by the furnace. Thank you very much. Now watch carefully, Dickie, because putting in window glass is something that every boy should know how to do, especially boys who ride wagons with their eyes closed. When Marilyn Matson, who was helping Mrs. Piggle Wiggle serve tea, "'Dropped and broke her brown teapot,' she said. "'Well, that's the luckiest thing I've ever known. "'You didn't get a drop of hot tea on you, "'and you broke that nasty teapot with the leaky spout "'that I've hated for 15 years. "'Tomorrow I'll go to town and buy a new one. "'I think I'll get pink, "'and I'm going to test the spout before I buy it.' "'But what about the tea?' said Marilyn, "'wiping her tears on her sleeve. "'Make it in the coffee pot,' said Mrs. Picklewiggle.' and we'll call it toffee. Another nice thing about Mrs. Picklewiggle, when a child makes her a present, no matter how splotchy or crooked it might be, she uses it and keeps it where everyone can see it. Johnny Wilford made her a vase out of a meat sauce bottle with such a little neck that only flowers with stems like hairs would fit in it. Not only that, but he painted it a sort of bilious green, and the paint was too thick and ran down the sides in warty lumps. But Mrs. Piggle Wiggle loves Johnny, and she loves the warty vase because Johnny made it for her, and she keeps it on the windowsill above the sink with at least one flower gasping for breath jammed through its little neck. Every time Johnny comes into her kitchen, he points proudly to the vase and says, "'Do you see that pretty vase over there on the windowsill?' Well, I made it for Mrs. Piggle Wiggle, didn't I, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle? When Susan Gray came staggering over with a plate of the first cookies she had ever made for Mrs. Piggle Wiggle, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle didn't take one look at the tannish gray lumps and say, No, thank you. She said, Why, Susan Gray, you smart girl, eight years old and already making cookies, you're going to make somebody a very fine wife. Yeah. Somebody with good teeth, said Hubert Prentice, who had taken one of the gray lumps and had found that trying to eat it was like biting on a stone. Mrs. Piggle Wiggle took the cookie away from him and said, Oh, Hubert, these are special cookies. You dip them in hot tea and then take a bite. She hurried to the kitchen and made some tea. And then she and Molly and Hubert and Susan sat at the kitchen table and drank tea and gnawed at the stony cookies, which, in addition to being as hard as rocks, tasted like glue, because Susan had put in gravy coloring instead of vanilla. When Molly and Hubert made gagging motions at each other, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle slipped them some ginger cookies under the table, and Susan was so proud that she didn't even notice. Julie Ward knitted Mrs. Piggle Wiggle a scarf that was about ten yards long and two inches wide, and when Mrs. Pigglewiggle opened the box, she didn't say, my Julie, you must have had a giraffe in mind when you made this scarf. Instead, she said, you know, Julie, this is much too pretty to wear as a scarf and keep tucked inside my coat. I'm going to wear it as a sash. She took the long, dirty, blue, wormy-looking scarf and wrapped it around and around her waist and looped the ends over and it did look nice from a distance. Julie was so proud. She said, You know, Mrs. Wiggle, when I was making this scarf, I just thought to myself, Now, I'll make this longer, and then Mrs. Wiggle can wear it as a belt, too. Of course, she hadn't really. What actually happened was that she knitted on the scarf every afternoon when she listened to the radio, and she just forgot to stop. Another wonderful trait of Mrs. Piggle Wiggle's is the interested way she listens to dreams. Now, every child in the world loves to tell what he dreams, and if the dream doesn't seem to be quite long enough or interesting enough, sometimes children work in old movies they have seen or stories their daddies have read to them the night before. Dream telling is an innocent pastime and very good for the imagination, but unfortunately, Dream-telling usually occurs at breakfast, a time when daddies and mothers are slightly irritable and always in a hurry and in no mood for long-drawn-out stories of, and then I was riding on this elephant, and two Indians came up and tried to shoot me, but then, uh, uh, I turned into a walnut and, uh, dropped on the ground and, uh, 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 this. About this time, mothers say, just let the dream go and finish your cereal. Or brother or sister will say, oh, you're just making that up, and anyway, it's my turn. Now, I dreamed. Mrs. Piggle Wiggle not only listens to dreams, she asks about them. Right after school, when the children come over to dig for treasure in her backyard, Mr. Piggle Wiggle was a pirate, and when he died, he buried his treasure in his backyard. Or to have tea or to play dolls, she'll say, anybody have any good dreams last night? and they'll be off. Once, Molly O'Toole dreamed she was a raisin and was eaten by a rat. Johnny Green dreamed that he was a pirate and lived in a whale. Hubert Prentice dreamed that he was an icicle and could freeze anyone he touched. Susan Gray dreamed that her dolls all came alive. Larry Gray dreamed he was a cowboy and had a white horse. Mary Lou Robertson dreamed that her covers were frosting and woke up with her mouth full of blanket. Kitty Wheeling dreamed that she was a movie star and had a real fur coat. Patsy said that she dreamed that she was an electric toaster and everybody said that she was making it up. And Patsy cried and Mrs. Pigglewiggle Wiggle said that she would help Patsy with her dreams. Some of the children's dreams are so long and dull and full of er, uh, uh, uhs that Mrs. Piggle Wiggle finishes them off for them and says, that was the way it was, wasn't it, Bobby? Much to their evident relief. So you can see that loving children the way she does, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle just naturally understands them, even when they are being difficult, which is, of course, why all the mothers in our town call Mrs. Piggle Wiggle whenever they are having trouble with their children. Mrs. Piggle Wiggle always knows what to do, and then, of course, she has a big cupboard full of magic powders and pills and appliances to help cure children's bad habits. Chapter 2. The Thought You Setters Cure. Mr. Burbank absently reached from behind his newspaper for the sugar bowl. His groping fingers hit the toast, the honeycomb, the salt cellar, and finally found the sugar bowl. His children, Darcy, Allison, and Bard, nudged each other and laughed. Every morning, Daddy felt on the table for the sugar while he read bad news in the newspaper. One morning, the news was so bad, and he was so absent-minded, he put currant jelly in his coffee. The children were anxious for a repeat performance and hopefully pushed everything but the sugar in the path of his searching hand. This morning, as soon as Mr. Burbank had found the sugar bowl, he let the paper down with a bang. The sugar bowl's empty, he said, in an aggrieved, hurt way. Mrs. Burbank, who was buttering toast, said, Darcy, run out to the kitchen and fill the sugar bowl, dear. The sugar's in the big red can. Darcy obediently got up, took the sugar bowl, and went out to the kitchen. After a long, long time, he came back to the breakfast table with a plate of cinnamon rolls. What are these for, his father said, and where's the sugar? Sugar, said Darcy. What about sugar? I told you to fill the sugar bowl, said Mrs. Burbank. Oh, said Darcy, I thought you said, get the cinnamon roll. All three children looked at each other and laughed loudly. Finally, Mr. and Mrs. Burbank laughed too. Darcy went out and filled the sugar bowl, and Mr. Burbank, after three cups of coffee, missed his bus and decided to walk as far as the school with the children. Just as they were going out the front door, Allison remembered her arithmetic book and dashed upstairs for it. In a minute, she leaned over the banister and called, Mother, did you see my arithmetic book? Mrs. Burbank said, What does it look like? Allison said, It's blue and not very thick. Mrs. Burbank said, I think it's on the table in the hall. Allison said, How did it get out there? Mrs. Burbank said, Out where? I said it's on the table in the hall. Allison said, Oh, I thought you said it's out in the stable in a stall. All three children roared with laughter. Allison found her arithmetic book, and they all left the house laughing and repeating, out in the stable in a stall. Mr. Burbank said, come on, come on, we haven't all day. He walked briskly along the street, his footsteps ringing loudly and purposefully in the thin autumn air. The children giggled and jostled along behind him, their progress so uneven and broken by thought, you said, and shrieks of laughter that Mr. Burbank reached the corner first. In fact, almost before they had left the yard. He stopped to wait for them and to survey the city spread out below him in the morning sunshine. He was glad he lived on a hill. He was glad he was alive, and he was glad he had a little boy nine, a little girl seven, and a little boy six. When the children had caught up with him, he said, Look, children, see how beautiful the city looks from up here? Watch the fog rise over there. Where's the dog? said Bard. What dog? said Darcy. What color are the dog's eyes? asked Allison. What on earth are you talking about? said Mr. Burbank. I said, watch the fog rise over there. Oh, said Bard. I thought you said, watch the dog's eyes glare. All the children laughed and laughed. Mr. Burbank said, what nonsense. But it was a beautiful morning, so he laughed with his light-hearted children. When they were halfway down the next block, the children suddenly stopped stock still in front of a pretty white house and yelled in unison, Marilyn, Marilyn, come on, we'll be late. Mr. Burbank said, that's no way to do it. If you want Marilyn, go to the door and ask for her. The children looked surprised, but went obediently up to the door and rang the bell. Marilyn's mother opened the door and said something to the children, which seemed to send them into convulsions of mirth. Doubled over with laughter and holding their sides, they came down the walk to their father. Now what's so funny? Mr. Burbank asked. Darcy said, Marilyn's mother said Marilyn fell in the toaster and is burned up dead. Mr. Burbank said, what did Marilyn's mother really say, and why isn't Marilyn going to school? Allison said, She said Marilyn fell in her coaster and hurt her head, and Darcy thought she said Marilyn fell in the toaster and is burned up dead. She went into another paroxysm of laughter. Mr. Burbank didn't laugh. Instead, he bent down and examined Darcy's ears, which were large and pink and soft and quite clean. They should work, said Mr. Burbank, looking at the other children's ears. They all seemed quite normal. The children wanted to know what he was doing. Bard said, what are you doing that for, Daddy? Mr. Burbank said, I'm trying to decide whether I should get you an ear trumpet. Beer crumpet, what's that? Bard said. The other children repeated after him, beer crumpet, beer crumpet. They all laughed. But Mr. Burbank had had enough. He said, Come on, I'll supervise a race to school. On your marks, get set, go. When Mr. Burbank reached his office, the very first thing he did was to call Mrs. Burbank. He said, Mary, have our children ever had scarlet fever? She said, Now you know they haven't, Bernard. Well, he said, Have they ever had ear infections? Goodness, no, said Mrs. Burbank. They've never had anything. They're the healthiest children in the neighborhood. What's the matter? Mr. Burbank said, Plenty. They can't any of them hear well. I told them to look at the fog rise, and they thought I was talking about dog's eyes. Marilyn's mother said that Marilyn fell off her coaster and hit her head, and they thought she said Marilyn fell in the toaster and was burnt up dead. Mrs. Burbank finished for him. Bernard, Did you ever hear of anyone falling in a toaster? Of course not. There's nothing wrong with our children's ears. It's just that they're going through that awful thought you said phase. Well, let's get them out of it, said Mr. Burbank. They sound like dopes. Dog's eyes indeed. Mrs. Burbank said, Don't worry, dear, I'll take care of it. As soon as she finished talking to Mr. Burbank... Mrs. Burbank called Marilyn's mother to find out about Marilyn, if she was badly hurt and if there was anything she could do. Marilyn's mother said Marilyn was just fine, but the doctor thought she should be quiet for a day or two. When Mrs. Burbank asked Marilyn's mother if she had ever had any trouble with thought you said, and told about the sugar bowl and the cinnamon rolls, the arithmetic book in the stable and the stall, about Marilyn's fall in the toaster and the dog's eyes. Marilyn's mother said, "'Oh, Mrs. Burbank, I am so glad you called and told me all this. You see, Marilyn has been doing the same thing all morning, and I was terribly afraid that the blow on her head had affected her mind. When I asked her if she wanted crumpets or toast, she said, "'Bumped on the nose? Who?' When I asked her if her head pained her, she said, "'I thought you said, Is the bed painted yet?' Mrs. Burbank said, "'I'm going to call up Mrs. Teagle and see if Terry or Teresa are thought you-setters. "'She's such a good manager that if they have thought you said Ida's, "'she's probably thought of a cure.' Marilyn's mother asked Mrs. Burbank to call her back "'if she got any useful information, and they said goodbye. "'Then Mrs. Burbank called Mrs. Teagle. "'She told her all about the thought you said Ida's "'and asked if she had any similar experience with Terry or Teresa.' Mrs. Teagle said, Oh, no, Mrs. Burbank. You will see, uh, we have always studied correct speech and we all speak correctly. The children always pronounce all their vowels and all their consonants and therefore we never have any trouble Understanding each other. Perhaps the trouble lies with you and Mr. Burbank. Perhaps you do not speak distinctly. Perhaps the poor little children cannot understand you. I am holding little speech classes every afternoon, and if you and Mr. Burbank are interested, I would be glad to have you attend. I wouldn't care to have the children, because I am afraid they may corrupt my children's perfect speech. Mrs. Burbank thanked Mrs. Teagle for her kind offer and told her that perhaps she was right, that she and Mr. Burbank would try to speak more distinctly, and if things didn't improve within the week, they might join the speech classes. Mrs. Teagle said, Glad to be of help any time, Missus Burbank, and hung up. That night, when Mr. Burbank came home, she told him about calling Missus Teagle and told him that she thought that from now on they should both try to speak more carefully so that their poor little children could understand them. That night, Mr. Burbank announced in a very loud voice, Please pass. The butter! The children all exchanged glances and whispers, then laughed. The butter remained cool and comfortable on its little plate in front of Darcy. Mr. Burbank looked accusingly at Mrs. Burbank. She said in a high, unnatural voice, Children, listen to me. Please pass your father... Butter Oh, said Darcy. did you say pass the butter? I thought you said gasp and mutter. Allison said, I thought you said he's pa's mother. Bard said, I thought you said Freeze Pat's brother. mister Burbank said in a low grim voice, I said please pass the butter. Darcy passed it to him with a beaming smile. The next morning after breakfast, Mr. Burbank called from upstairs. Where's my briefcase? Anybody seen my briefcase? Allison said, Who's got a thief's face? Darcy said, Beef paste? What do you want that for? Bard said, Leaf race? (laughs) I thought he said leaf race. They all laughed loudly and did not look for the briefcase. They could hear their father and mother banging doors and scuffling around upstairs. But they were so busy thought you sitting, they didn't even notice that Bard was standing in front of the briefcase, which was leaning against the radiator in the front hall. Finally, Mr. Burbank came running downstairs, wild-eyed, and almost too late for his bus. He called down to Mrs. Burbank. If you find it, dear, bring it right down to the office. I must have it this morning. He slammed the front door and ran like the wind for his bus. Mrs. Burbank was giving the children their final inspection before school. When she saw the briefcase leaning against the wall right behind Bard's fat little legs, she said, Why, children, why didn't you tell Daddy his briefcase was down here? You must have seen it. Now I'll have to make a special trip all the way down to take it to him. Why didn't you tell him? She looked sternly at her three children. Allison said, Briefcase I didn't know that's what he wanted. I thought he said thief's face. Darcy said, I didn't know he wanted his briefcase. I thought he said beef paste. Bard said, I thought he said leaf race. Mrs. Burbank said, You know perfectly well that Daddy wouldn't talk about a thief's face, beef paste or leaf races. That's just nonsense, and I'm getting good and tired of all this thought you said business. She sent them off to school with a little push and without a kiss. But the thought you said Idis continued all the rest of that week. By Thursday morning, Mr. and Mrs. Burbank were so irritable that they didn't even want to come downstairs and eat breakfast with the thought you setters. They tried to solve the problem by not speaking to the children, but of course the telephone rang and Mrs. Burbank said to Allison, Answer the phone. And Alison didn't move and her father said, answer the phone. And Allison said, oh, answer the phone. I thought you said, this ham's got a bone. And Darcy said, I thought you said the dancers are home. And Bard said, I thought you said, uh, uh, the jam's all alone. It was the last straw. Mr. Burbank said, this nonsense has got to stop now. I'm not going to eat another meal with the thought you saids. As soon as the children had left for school and even before she washed the breakfast dishes, Mrs. Burbank decided that she must do something about the thought you saiders. She poured herself another cup of coffee and sat down at the breakfast table and thought and thought. Old boy, the dog came and sat beside her and she gave him a small piece of ham and stroked his head and wondered and wondered what to do. She was just going to call Mr. Burbank's mother when the telephone rang again. Mrs. Burbank answered it. It was Mrs. Piggle Wiggle, and she wanted the children to come for tea. Mrs. Burbank said, Oh, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle, I am so delighted that you called. I was just sitting here at the breakfast table wondering what in the world to do. And so she told Mrs. Piggle Wiggle about the thought you setters. Mrs. Piggle Wiggle said, there's a regular epidemic of thought you said "Idas," all over town. It really is a very harmless disease, but can be most annoying to parents, especially when they're trying to hurry. I have suffered with it myself this past week. Put on your shoes as thought you said sat on a fuse. Get me a tack as thought you said butter a cracker, and so on and so on. Fortunately, the cure is very simple. I have a magic powder which you sprinkle in the children's ears tonight. It will make their hearing so keen that they'll be able to hear spiders stamping across the floor, leaves crashing to the ground, flowers snapping open their petals, and fireflies striking the matches that light their lanterns. I must warn you that tomorrow when the children are wearing the magic hearing powder, you mustn't pop corn, run the vacuum cleaner, or served dry, crunchy breakfast food. The noise would be too painful to them. I'll send the powder over when the children stop by after school. You might lend a little to Marilyn's mother. Goodbye and good luck. Mrs. Piggle Wiggle hung up the phone. After school, the children came rushing in to deliver the package from Mrs. Piggle Wiggle and to change their clothes. Mrs. Piggle Wiggle's package contained a tiny box of white powder. Mrs. Burbank felt the powder and smelled it. It felt like talcum powder and smelled like ginger. She put it under the pile of clean handkerchiefs in her handkerchief box. That evening, after the children were in bed, she told Mr. Burbank about it. He thought the magic powder sounded wonderful and decided to try a little in his own ears. Mrs. Burbank went up and got the bottle, and Mr. Burbank put a pinch in his left ear. Immediately, he shouted, "'Turn off that terrible radio! It's killing me!' Mrs. Burbank rushed and turned the radio off. Mr. Burbank said, "'It's thundering! We must be going to have a storm!' Mrs. Burbank listened. She couldn't hear any thunder. She opened the front door and went out and looked at the sky. It was a clear, dark blue and spangled with stars. The night was as still and quiet as a picture. Mr. Burbank shouted. The storm's getting closer, almost overhead now. Mrs. Burbank came in and closed the door. She said, Bernard Burbank, it's a cold, clear, perfectly peaceful night. There is no thunder. Mr. Burbank said, listen, don't you hear it? Deafening, that's what it is, deafening. Mrs. Burbank listened very carefully. Then she heard from the kitchen a very soft, Very faint thumping noise. She went out to investigate and found Old Boy the dog lying under the kitchen table scratching and bumping his elbow on the floor. She gave Old Boy a dog biscuit and put him out. And then she went back to the living room and asked mister Burbank if the storm had passed over. He said, Do you have to stamp your feet like that? You certainly must be getting fat. You sound like a coal truck when you walk. Mrs. Burbank, who was very slight, looked down at her soft red house slippers and said, "'Bernard, I think you'd better wash that magic powder out of your ear, because I'm going to go out right now and get some graham crackers and think of the torture you'll go through if I drop a crumb.' Mr. Burbank said, "'Stop shouting!' Mrs. Burbank said, "'I'm whispering, dear.' So Mr. Burbank went upstairs to wash out his ear." When he snapped on the light in the bathroom, he flinched because it sounded like a pistol shot. When he turned on the faucet, it sounded like Niagara Falls. And when he accidentally brushed a hairpin off the windowsill, it sounded like a huge iron chain crashing to the tiled floor. Mr. Burbank filled the bathroom glass with warm water. He had decided that that would be the best way to wash out the magic powder and was just about to pour some in his ear when, from behind the bathtub, he heard the most awful, screaming, screeching, whining noise. He straightened up, put down the glass, and peered over by the bathtub. He didn't see anything. He bent down over the basin again and picked up the glass. He was just about to pour the warm water in his ear when the horrible, screaming, squealing noise came again, and this time right by his head. Mr. Burbank was so scared he dropped the glass, spilled the water, and banged his head on the faucet. He looked all around, but he couldn't see anything. The noise came again, this time a little fainter and from behind the Venetian blind. He raised the blind and looked carefully. He couldn't see a thing. The terrible noise came again, this time by the mirror. Then Mr. Burbank saw what it was, a big mosquito. He grabbed a washcloth and, without thinking of his magic hearing, swatted the mosquito. The screams of agony that immediately filled the bathroom were horrible. Mr. Burbank hurriedly turned on the warm water and stuck his ear right under the faucet. Whew! What a relief! He picked the dead mosquito up by one leg and put it in the wastebasket. Then he called to Mrs. Burbank. Hey, Mary! I'm all right now, but I think we better go easy with that magic powder in the children's ears. It's awfully strong, Mrs. Burbank said. Perhaps you use too much. Here, I'll measure it out. I'll use a toothpick, and I'll just put a grain or so in the right ear of each child. Come on now, help me. They tiptoed into the children's rooms and put a toothpick full of the magic powder in each one's right ear. Even in his sleep, Darcy was saying, Miss Anderson, I didn't hear you say hand me that ruler. I thought you said, Bananas are cooler. Mr. and Mrs. Burbank looked at their sleeping son and then at each other. Just wait until tomorrow, Darcy old boy, said Mr. Burbank. The next morning at seven o'clock, Bard came running into his parents' room and said, Mother, Daddy, there's a terrible noise in our room. It sounds like sawing. Mr. and Mrs. Burbank got out of bed put on their robes, and went to investigate. They couldn't hear a thing. Darcy said, Isn't that an awful noise, Daddy? Do you think it's a buzz bomb? Mr. and Mrs. Burbank looked and looked, but they couldn't see or hear anything. Mr. Burbank told the children to get dressed and to come down to breakfast. Bard began to cry. He said, We'll come down, Daddy, but you don't have to yell at us. Mr. Burbank said in a very quiet whisper, Your hearing must be very good this morning. I didn't yell. In fact, I almost whispered. Then he said, Exactly where is the buzzing noise coming from, Darcy? Listen carefully and tell me. Darcy said, Right there by the curtain. Mr. Burbank pulled back the curtain and found a very small fly buzzing in a corner of the window. Remembering his experience with the mosquito, he didn't dare swat the fly, so he opened the window. Unlatched the screen and pushed the fly off the window sill. It flew happily away. Darcy said, Daddy, I can't stand this awful crunching noise my shoelaces make when I push them through the holes. It sounds like bones breaking. Mr. Burbank said, Here, I have an idea. He tied his handkerchief around Darcy's head like a bandage. This'll fix it, he said softly. Whistle biscuit, Darcy said, I thought you said whistle biscuit. His father jerked the handkerchief off and said, hurry down to breakfast. At breakfast, Allison said, oh, mother, I can't stand the sound of you buttering that toast. It sounds like hoeing on cement. Bard said, hoeing on cement. I thought you said, I thought you said, uh, uh, uh. He took a spoonful of oatmeal and never finished the sentence. A piece of toast popped out of the toaster. All three children jumped. Darcy said, mother, you should warn us when you're going to make so much noise. Mrs. Burbank said, I'm sorry, it didn't seem loud to me. I guess my ears aren't very good. Darcy said, I thought you said poison. I mean, I thought you said poison. I mean, oh, I don't know what I meant. Allison said, old boy's breathing so loud, I can't hear a thing. And does he have to splash his tongue around in his mouth like that, mother? Mrs. Burbank called old boy and gave him a piece of bacon. He snapped and gulped, and all three children jumped and shuddered. What a noise, said Allison, glaring balefully at poor old boy. He's just like some terrible kind of jungle beast. Mrs. Burbank said, Come, children, put on your coats and go to school. Allison said, Spit on your coats. I thought you said spit on your coats. Nobody laughed. Darcy said, Don't talk so loud, Allison. It hurts my ears. Bard said, Didn't you hear what Mother said? She didn't say spit on your coats. She said put on your coats. Allison said, I know it. I can hear. Let's go. The front door closed quietly, and Mrs. Burbank said to her husband, who was groping for the sugar, That's the first time in five years they haven't banged the front door. Here's the sugar, dear, and you have four minutes before the next bus. Just then, the front door opened and the three children came crying into the house. Allison said, Mother, we just can't stand it. The sidewalk is covered with leaves, and when we walk through them, the noise is so dreadful we just can't bear it. It sounds like hundreds of giants chopping wood. Bard said, It sounds like millions of paper bags. Darcy said, It sounds like thousands of houses burning up. Crackle, crackle, crash. Mrs. Burbank said, well, Bernard, I think we'd better wash out their ears, and we'll give Mrs. Piggle Wiggle our heartiest thanks. Mr. Burbank said, what's she done wrong? Who, said Mrs. Burbank. Mrs. Piggle Wiggle, said Mr. Burbank. What are you talking about, said Mrs. Burbank. I said that we should give Mrs. Piggle Wiggle our heartiest thanks. Oh, said Mr. Burbank, I thought you said go give Mrs. Piggle Wiggle your hardest spanks. The children looked disgusted. This is your host, Catherine Lopez-Luker. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Stories Come to Life. Be sure to join us next time when we hear another tale about Mrs. Spiegelbiggle's magic. You can find a link to our podcast on the Marshall Public Library webpage, www.marshallpl.org. I'll talk to you again soon.